Welcome to the Womb Wisdom Podcast. My name is Holly Deaver, and I'm the owner and operator of Rosebud Wellness, where I practice women's holistic health, utilizing acupuncture, Chinese herbalism, yoni steaming, Arvigo abdominal massage, and the fertility awareness method. This podcast will be part conversations with women who are mothers or hope to be mothers on their journey through menstruation, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and motherhood, and part information about the holistic health practices that I use in my practice. Please enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone. I am very excited to share with you that I have a new offering that I just released. So um, in case you don't follow me on Instagram at holly.lever, then perhaps you don't know that I just released a free three-part fertility awareness method video series. So in the series, you will learn what the fertility awareness method is. So in case you don't know what the heck I'm talking about, that would be really important first step to know about that. And then we'll also talk about how to analyze your menstrual cycle and the optimal parameters for each of the phases of the menstrual cycle. So that includes the bleeding phase and what your bleeding should look like. If you should have any symptoms, the answer to that is no, you should not be having any premenstrual or symptoms during your period. Ideally, it should just kind of come and go without a lot of drama. And then also we'll be looking at the different phases, the follicular phase, the ovulatory phase, how much cervical mucus you should be producing, how long the luteal phase should be, how long the cycle length should be overall, what's considered an irregular cycle, what's considered a regular cycle, and then also how to track and chart your three main fertile signs. So in the method that I teach, that is basal body temperature, cervical mucus, and cervical position. And then we also talk about the applications of the fertility awareness method, which of which there are many. So it can be used as a form of natural birth control without having to use any synthetic hormones or devices. It can also be used for um, optimizing your chances of conception if that's something that you are wanting to call in, you know, either at some point in the future or perhaps currently. It can be used for body literacy overall, just understanding how your body works and having an ability to work with your body rather than working sort of against it. And then also can be used as a health assessment tool. So there's a lot of different things that you're looking at when you're looking at the parameters of the menstrual cycle that you can use to assess what maybe is going on with your health as a whole outside of just hormonal issues. So for example, you can determine if maybe you have a thyroid issue or a blood sugar imbalance or other hormonal issues maybe are manifesting in different ways, not necessarily within the context of your menstrual cycle, but could be revealed by looking a little bit more closely at your menstrual cycle. So that is everything that is included in this three-part video series um, that I highly recommend checking out. So you can get access to those three videos that you would get over the course of three days by going down to the show notes of this episode, or you can also visit my Instagram at holly.lever, and you can go to the link in in my bio, or if, depending on when you're listening to this, Perhaps it will still be in my stories as well. So definitely go and check that out. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Womb Wisdom Podcast. I am doing a solo episode today. So as I promised in my episode about coming off of hormonal birth control, which I will probably link to this in the show notes of this episode too, in case you missed it. Um, But I will be sharing today about using the fertility awareness method for birth control. So I would not recommend using this episode as a form of birth control. So everything that you'll learn in this episode throughout what I'll be talking about today is not going to be enough for you to use the fertility awareness method fully for birth control purposes. So in my one-on-one sessions, I typically recommend for people to have at least seven sessions with me in order to fully learn this method and how to interpret their their charts and their cycles. So with that said, this episode will probably be like 30 to 45 minutes. So that's basically half of the first session. So there's no way that I can jam everything into one episode of everything that you would need to know. And I also firmly believe what I've observed in my own learning of this method and the other things that I've been trained in, it does take time to fully integrate this information into your brain, especially because there are so many things that we have to unlearn about our bodies. So I know for me, I personally thought that women could get pregnant every single day of their cycle. So I started taking hormonal birth control when I was 15, because I thought that was a responsible thing to do because otherwise I was definitely going to get pregnant from having sex with my boyfriend in high school or, you know, beyond that. So that's not true. And that's some of what we'll be talking about today. And probably if you're familiar with my work at all, maybe you already know this, but you can only get pregnant when your body is producing fertile quality cervical mucus, both peak and non-peak cervical mucus. So that's that clear, stretchy, lubricative mucus, and then also white lotiony mucus. Both types of mucus can result in a pregnancy if they're in the pre-ovulatory phase prior to ovulation, and then on ovulation day itself. So the average is six days for most women if they have a healthy cycle. So there is, as always, some nuance to this. So not for every single woman, are they fertile for only six days? It really depends on your cycle and tracking and charting your own cycle is really important in understanding what is happening in your actual body. So anyway, with all of that out of the way, let's talk about how you would use the fertility awareness method for birth control if you are interested in that. So the first thing to do is talk with your any sexual partners. So if you're in a monogamous relationship with a man, then you only have to have this conversation with one man. If you have multiple sexual male partners, then you would have to have a conversation with all of, with each of them about your intentions for preventing pregnancy with the fertility awareness method and what that means for them as well. So The reason that this is important is because you want to both be on the same page about your intention scale. So this is something that I have adopted from my teacher, Lisa Hendrickson Jack of Fertility Friday. And so the intention scale is basically, if you're at a zero, that means you really, really do not want to get pregnant and you would maybe terminate the pregnancy if you did become pregnant. And a 10 is that you really want to become pregnant like right now. 
So uh, it's really important to talk with any sexual partners about your intentions and their intentions to make sure that you're kind of on a similar wavelength and that your behaviors are a reflection of that. So then you can discuss how you'll manage your fertile window. So say that you're both at a zero, for example, then you need to be really, really specific about when you're fertile and when you're not fertile. And that male partner needs to be very, needs to really understand how his behavior needs to shift during your fertile window. So maybe it means that you don't engage sexually at all. So you just completely abstain from all sexual activity. Maybe it means that you do some sort of like alternative sex type stuff, like oral sex, for example. But we'll talk at the end about contact pregnancy, but it needs to be very clear to them. I actually said this to someone kind of recently that I, I was talking about a contact pregnancy and, you know, this is my job that I talk about this kind of stuff all day long. And I said to this person that contact pregnancy is a thing, which basically that means if a man's semen comes into contact with a woman's cervical mucus during her fertile window, it is possible to get pregnant. And I have actually worked with a woman that that happened to, and she was not intending to become pregnant. She thought she was you know, being careful and safe. And some men do have sperm in their pre-ejaculatory fluid too. So I think that was part of the scenario for her as well. And this person I was sharing this with um, was telling me that that's a myth and that's totally crazy and, and not a thing. So it is a thing. So that's something that's also really in part important to talk to your partner about is how you'll be managing your fertile window, abstaining, alternative sex, condoms, withdrawal used correctly, diaphragm, you know, there's a lot of other birth control options, but you do really need to be on the same page about how you will navigate your fertile window. And so that he is not thinking she's got it covered and then ejaculates inside of you and you say, oh crap, after. So you need to make sure that you're really able to communicate. It's actually a really wonderful relationship builder that it kind of opens this line of communication that maybe otherwise wouldn't be open if you were just kind of able to engage sexually kind of whenever you wanted to. Um, and I just wanted to throw it out there that there is no method of birth control that is 100% effective. And that includes the hormonal IUD, the copper IUD, birth control pill, patch, shot, condoms, none of this stuff is 100% effective. So you can look at the statistics for each of the birth control methods and how effective they are. And there's usually listed a typical use versus a perfect use for each of the methods. And what that means basically is that typically people do not do the, do not use these birth control methods perfectly. And if they, so there's, that's why there's a discrepancy between typical use and perfect use. So for the fertility awareness method, there's a pretty large discrepancy between how people typically use it and how, and if it's used perfectly, if you use the fertility awareness method perfectly, meaning that you are including all of the advanced rules and you really understand exactly how to confirm ovulation with basal body temperature, cervical mucus, cervical position, you're really on top of using this method completely as it was written. It's 99.4% effective for birth control if you are using it that way. 
And so typical use is much lower than that because a lot of people don't study with an educator and they're learning it from books. Like potentially they have some rhythm method thinking involved in there, which if you're not familiar with the rhythm method, it's basically just looking at a calendar and assuming a 28 day cycle that you ovulate at day 14. So you're avoiding sex potentially for the five days prior to ovulation, ovulation day itself. And then you're kind of just doing whatever but most women do not follow that exact pattern. And even if you do most of the time, there are cycles here and there where that doesn't, you don't necessarily follow that pattern. I actually had a client message me today about her cycle and it's looking a little wacky right now because she is under an extreme amount of stress. And so her temperatures are sort of all over the place where typically they are a lot more consistent. And so ovulation was a little bit harder to identify. So if you're using it for birth control, if you have kind of a wacky cycle and you don't always, it's not always that you have extreme stress. It could be that you're traveling or, you know, the, the foods that you're used to aren't available because you're, you know, out of your routine or whatever. So there's a variety of reasons that your cycle and ovulation day could be a little bit off. And you don't want to be using a calendar method and assuming that you know what's happening and then, you know, have an act accidental pregnancy because of that. So it's really important that both you and your partner know where you're at. No, we don't want babies. Yes, we want babies. Maybe we want babies, but let's continue this conversation and avoid pregnancy for now as we're kind of deciding and so then discussing how you'll manage the fertile window. And then you also could discuss what you might do in the event of an accidental pregnancy. So there are emergency contraceptive methods. And I think one thing that's really important to understand about emergency contraceptive methods is that I personally thought, you know, when I was a teenager, that the way that emergency contraceptives work is, oh, oops, like a male, a man ejaculated inside of me, I'm going to go take this pill and terminate the pregnancy. I thought it was kind of like an abortion pill. But the two, Plan B and Ella, are the two that most people typically will use, and they both work by delaying ovulation. So the only way that they're going to be effective is if you're like kind of right in that sweet spot where delaying ovulation enough would prevent you from getting pregnant during that cycle. But if you have, if you're just like right in the sweet spot about to ovulate or on ovulation day itself, they wouldn't even work at all. So it's really important that you're not kind of having that in your back, in the back of your mind as if I make a mistake, then I'm just going to do that. It's really important if you're going to use those that you understand the side effects potentially of using them and then also understand how they actually work too. So it's really important as you're learning the fertility awareness method that you're not applying it for birth control purposes right away. So once it's like, you know, if you're in your first or second or even third cycle charting, it's really important that you're not relying on this for birth control purposes straight away, that you are really getting to know your body, getting to know the method and how to confirm ovulation. And so typically if you're working with an educator by the second or third cycle, you can start having some unprotected sex in the post ovulatory phase. And I would really only recommend that if you have a pretty regular cycle and your 
cycle is pretty straightforward and you're able to track and chart your cycle and really see clearly that you have already ovulated there. You're not having any cervical mucus in the post ovulatory phase. You're having dry days. You've confirmed ovulation with the cross check with basal body temperature and cervical mucus. Then you can start having unprotected sex only after you have already confirmed ovulation and one nuance to that is that there are some advanced rules for BBT um, that you would need to consider that I don't know that many books and people talk about on social media and things like that, because it is the intention really is for people to learn the fertility awareness method from an educator, because there are these little subtlety nuances that it's really helpful to work with somebody that's looked at a number of charts and really understands what's going on before you start using it for birth controls so that there aren't any um, accidental pregnancies. So then cycles three to six and beyond in your charting life, you can have some sex on pre-ovulatory dry days, which is like after you have your period before you start producing fertile quality cervical mucus. But the important thing about that is that you there are a couple of additional rules that you have to follow that I don't typically teach to my clients until we already have a really strong foundation in understanding how to confirm ovulation. So I'm not going to get into those additional rules right now, because I think that would just kind of be too much and sort of overwhelming. But just so you know that, and if you really think about it, so say that you take six cycles. So maybe that's six months of your whole entire life to really fully learn this method and then you get to use it for the rest of your life. So you can use it for preventing pregnancy. If you never want to become pregnant, you could use it when you're ready to start conceiving. You just kind of like flip how you're using it. You can use it to identify any health issues, sync your life with your cycle so that you... So for example, I'm in my later luteal phase. So I'm day 10 post-ovulation. And I have been so cranky and about to cry for the past maybe four days. And I, that's not ideal. I think I'm, I'm having some progesterone being a little bit low issues right now, but because I, I know where I'm at in my cycle, I'm not like, Oh, maybe I'm depressed. Maybe I need to go to therapy or, you know, um, you know, kind of creating a mountain out of a molehill because I know that it's just where I'm at in my cycle and my bleed is going to alleviate so much of the pressure that I'm feeling right now. And so I'm looking forward to my period and just kind of coming to completion in this cycle and being able to clear out all of that old stagnant energy. And if I didn't have cycle awareness, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know that. I would just think like I'm a cranky, depressed person. So anyway, it can be really empowering for your entire life. And so if it takes six months to be able to fully apply this for birth control purposes, that's really nothing in the grand scheme of your life. But I know it can seem really overwhelming in the moment of like, oh, I need to wait six months before I can even use this method of birth control. So anyway, just to put it into perspective. So what you're doing in, in cycle charting, sort of no matter what your intentions are, is you're looking for a point of change. 
So basically you have your period. So you have your bleeding phase. And for some women, there's some spotting at the end. And I definitely recommend that you do some yoni steaming if that's your experience. And if you want to know more about that, then please reach out to me. I have a video, a free ebook, and tons of stuff on my Instagram as well about yoni steaming. So um, basically, so anyway, you have your period, you have maybe some days of spotting, and then you'll have a, a certain amount of dry days. So where you will not have any cervical mucus at all, or, and then it will transition into, it sort of depends on the person. For some people, they go directly from dry days into having non-peak cervical mucus, which is basically like the white lotion-y type cervical mucus. And then for other women, they go directly from dry days into having peak quality cervical mucus, which is that clear, stretchy, lubricative, like egg white type cervical mucus. So it really depends on the woman. It depends on the cycle as well. For me personally, I typically notice that I go from dry to non-peak and then I have peak as I approach ovulation. Um, and so that is sort of what you're looking for is that point of change when you go from having dry days into having some cervical mucus, and that's when your fertile window opens. So if you're using this method for birth control, as soon as you see cervical mucus, that means that you cannot have any unprotected sex in that cycle if you want to avoid pregnancy. So basically you are for, you can consider yourself fertile in the pre-ovulatory phase if you have any kind of cervical mucus, both peak and non-peak. Also on the light and very light days of your period, you can potentially consider yourself fertile. So you would want to start looking for cervical mucus on those days. So when you have like very light bleeding days or um, just those spotting days, for example, especially as we get older, women tend to ovulate a little bit earlier in the cycle. So say, for example, you're somebody that always ovulated at day 14, but now you are 37 and potentially your cycle is changing. I'm not saying it for sure is. This is just an example. So, and now you're ovulating at day 12 or something like that. So your body might start producing cervical mucus earlier in the cycle. So it might start producing cervical mucus when you're still actually technically bleeding. And then also for women that have like a longer bleeding phase, for example, many women have a four to five day bleeding phase. But if you're someone that has six or seven days, and then you also ovulate early. So say you have a seven day long period, and then you ovulate at day 10, your body's probably starting to produce cervical mucus there at the end of your bleeding phase. So if you ever have any like bleeding or spotting, if you forget to check one day, so I know for me, when I was first learning this method, I would forget to check periodically. I would forget to take my temperature. So if there's any day that you feel sort of confused or you forgot to take your reading, whether it be BBT or cervical mucus, you want to just assume that you're fertile and then add an additional count of three on top of that. So that's just to be really, really safe. If it's possible that I'm fertile today, you add this three-day uh, buffer period anytime that you are kind of closing out your fertile window. So when in doubt, consider yourself fertile plus a count of three. 
So one important thing to know about is the semen elimination technique. So this is this only applies in the post-ovulatory phase for women that are avoiding pregnancy, but basically all it is, and I, I can share more specifically about this if you want me to, but basically if you have unprotected sex, it's really important to clear out all of the semen after you have had unprotected sex. And the purpose of this is not at all for birth control. So I recommend that my, even my clients that are trying to conceive use this method. The purpose of it is just to make sure that your cervical mucus observations are as accurate as possible the day following unprotected sex. And so basically you go to the bathroom within 15 minutes or so after you've had unprotected sex, and then you just push all of the semen out and you keep pushing and wiping um, until everything comes out fully. And like I said, the purpose of that is really just so that your cervical mucus observations are accurate the following day. So say you are five days after ovulation, you've already confirmed ovulation, you have unprotected sex because you're in the post-ovulatory phase. Um, then you, so for the next day, day six, if you were to leave some semen inside of your body, then potentially you could see something that looks like cervical mucus. And in the post-ovulatory phase, ideally we are not seeing any cervical mucus. And if we are, it's typically related to low progesterone levels. And so you might think, oh, is there something going on? Like, do I have an infection? Do I have uh, low progesterone levels? Is there something up with my cycle? But really it's just that you didn't clear all of the semen out because they can look kind of similar um, at first glance. So it is possible to get pregnant anytime in the pre-ovulatory phase when you are producing fertile quality cervical mucus and then on ovulation day itself. So you really need to be sure that you are protecting yourself from pregnancy during your fertile phase. And then there are a couple of extra rules, as I mentioned, that you really can only apply once you've been charting and tracking your cycle for a while. So those are kind of things that I save for my one-on-one -on -one work when I know that people really understand how to use the basics. So after listening to this episode, I mostly would recommend that you assess for yourself. Like, do I feel ready to take my temperature every day. So what you would need to do is take your temperature with a basal body thermometer. I recommend doing it manually rather than using any of these like techie type new bangled thermometers because anytime there's an algorithm or technology involved, there's a lot more room for error for them not to be assessing your specific body and basing it on things that the computer thinks should be happening based on data. So in this case, I think more data can actually be sort of detrimental. So what the fertility awareness method involves is tracking your temperature every single morning. So you leave the thermometer in your mouth for 10 minutes, take your temperature. So that's 10 minutes of your life on that one day that you take your temperature. You leave the thermometer next to the nightstand. If you have children, I co-sleep personally. So I just do that when I'm sleeping right next to my daughter. If you are somebody that has to jump up out of bed to go and get children, then you do your best. You know, if you can only leave the thermometer in for five minutes, if you have to take it right away and then jump up and go get your kiddos, then do that. So you always just make 
this method work for you rather than trying to force yourself to fit into a method that doesn't fit into your lifestyle. So I would just say that it would be important to determine what the barriers are for you. If it's, oh, I'm not going to remember to do that. Put the thermometer right there. It's really hard to forget if it's right there. Or my kids wake up and I have to run and get run and get them. Just take, do your best, take your temperature and see what happens and see if you can see a pattern in your pre-ovulatory versus post-ovulatory temperatures. Maybe you can confirm ovulation without doing this 10 minute thing. So it's really what I'm teaching is sort of like best case scenario, but then you make it fit into your life. However it does. And then if it sounds like, oh my gosh, I can't check my cervical mucus all day, every day. You're going to the bathroom anyways, and I'm assuming that you probably wipe after every single time anyways. And so all you're doing is adding in an additional wipe prior to urinating or having a bowel movement, and then you wipe again after. And that is tracking and charting your cycle. It's really that simple that you take your temperature in the morning and that you track and chart cervical mucus. You can add in cervical position too, but I don't talk about that a ton because a lot of people are resistant to it. And I want this method to seem as accessible as possible to as many women as possible. So to me, take your temperature in the morning, leave it right there. So you don't forget. Um, if you're having trouble putting, remembering to put it into your phone or writing it down. I know that sometimes when people see like a piece of paper, they're just like, Oh my God, I'm never going to fill out that piece of paper. Use an app. And I have an app recommendation. It's called read your body. And you do have to pay for it, but I think it's worth every penny. I think it's like $15 a year or something like that. And they don't sell data. They don't use algorithms. And so they're, it's not going to be predicting ovulation or predicting your period based on absolutely nothing. So it's really only going to rely on the data that you put into it. So you have, in order to use it, you kind of have to know what you're doing. But basically, you just put your temperature in there. You put the time in there. It does that for you automatically. Actually, you could even just start with tracking your temperature and then add mucus on later. That's personally what I did, actually, because I was exposed to tracking and charting BBT in acupuncture school, and I didn't even know about tracking cervical mucus until many years later. So I was just kind of tracking my temperature for many years and was able to get a lot of really great information just from that alone. So it can seem a little less overwhelming if you are kind of learning these things in stages rather than trying to learn every single thing up front. With that said, I wouldn't recommend using this method for birth control if you're only using one of the methods. So if you're only using temperature, I really wouldn't recommend using this for birth control. So you would want to you know, be using condoms or diaphragms or using withdrawal correctly. So hopefully this is helpful. Um, just to kind of wrap things up today, start checking for cervical mucus after your period ends, once you get into those spotting days, and then you are fertile from when you start producing cervical mucus until ovulation day, you can confirm ovulation with your temperature and your cervical mucus drying up. So once your temperature elevates and stays high for three days in a row, potentially four, depending on how high your temperature is. And so that is where these advanced rules come in. So in general, three high temperatures after ovulation and then peak day 
plus a count of four. So peak day is the last day that your body produces fertile quality, which is that clear, stretchy, and or lubricative cervical mucus. So then you add one, two, three, four days on top of that. And wherever, whichever is the later of those two is the proper use of the cross-check method. So I'll just kind of sum that up really quickly. So you have your temperature shift, then you have three high temperatures, potentially four if the third one isn't high enough. Then you have your peak day, which is the last day of fertile quality cervical mucus. And then you count four days after that. Whichever, if a lot of times they line up exactly peak day and your temperature shift, but if they don't, you go to the later of those two, that is considered your first infertile post-ovulatory day, the first day that you can have unprotected sex. And so typically, so say that's three days post-ovulation, then you can start having sex that day until your next period ends, basically. Let's just say that for safety's sake. There are potentially some more pre-ovulatory days that you can also enjoy unprotected sex, but that is something that I would recommend only incorporating after you have a few cycles of data and information. So hopefully this was helpful. Definitely reach out to me. I A lot of my the information that I share about is based on stuff that people ask me that I think is just like, everybody knows that, of course, but you get so into the stuff that you know that you can forget that other people don't already know this. There are a lot of women that don't know that you can't get pregnant every single day of your cycle. And so I'm going to be screaming that from the rooftops until the day I die. That is not the case. And you can use this method for birth control. You don't have to rely on synthetic hormones. You don't have to rely on putting devices inside of your sweet body. Um, there are other options and there are a lot of other options and there are ways that you can make this work for you, even if it seems like you can't, if it seems like too much work, if it seems like too much to learn, if it seems like your partner won't use a condom, there's other ways to make this work for you. So if you have questions, if there's something specific that you are struggling with in thinking like, there's no way I could use this method, I would love to talk with you. It doesn't work for every single person, but it depends really on what you're prioritizing. So anyways, until next time, stay well, and I will see you soon. If you're feeling intrigued about the fertility awareness method after listening to this episode, then I have a special offering to recommend for you. So I have just created a self-study course that you can do all online. So you can do it at your own pace and learn the fertility awareness method fully. So in the course, there is information about the female reproductive system, how it works, the optimal cycle parameters that you are looking for when you're assessing your cycle as your fifth vital sign. We also get into good nutrition and lifestyle habits that help to support healthy hormone production. We also get into the fertility awareness method and how to track and chart each of your fertile signs. That, so there is tons of information in this course about tracking and charting your BBT, cervical mucus, and your cervical position. So it doesn't have to be super duper complicated, but there are a lot of things to know. And so I've really broken it down into smaller digestible pieces so that you can work through this course at your own pace and kind of build on your knowledge as you go. And then I get into specifically if you are using this primarily for 
conception purposes or if you are planning to use fertility awareness method tracking and charting to prevent pregnancy. And then in the end of the course, we also have, I provide you with a variety of additional resources to continue your study and learning. And there is a bonus call, a one-on-one session with me that is offered through the course as well. So that is definitely really beneficial if you, after you go through how to track and chart your cycle, then you can have your session with me to really break down your chart in particular and what I'm seeing. And I can make some recommendations about diet, lifestyle, some of the things that are maybe not specifically listed in the course um, for you in particular. So if you're interested, there is a link to sign up for that course in the show notes of this episode. You can also go to my Instagram at rosebud underscore wellness to get access to the course as well. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with somebody that you think might benefit from some of the information that was shared here today. And if you are feeling so called to give us a rating and or write a review, that would be amazing. I don't know exactly how the algorithm for podcasts works, but I do know that the algorithm favors podcasts that have more five-star ratings and more reviews, more positive reviews. So basically that just means that if you have a lot of great ratings and reviews, then your podcast will be shown to more people. So if you are feeling called to giving a five-star rating, you just basically scroll down and tap on the five stars and that will automatically send the rating over. And then you can type a review there too if there's something that you are specifically wanting to highlight about the podcast, um, something that you're enjoying about it, that would also be really helpful. You can find more from me on Facebook at the Rosebud Rosebud Wellness Community, where I share podcast episodes and other offerings that I have periodically. And I am definitely a lot more active on Instagram at my new page, holly.lever, which is spelled L-E-E-V-E-R. I do still have my rosebud underscore wellness Instagram page, but I will be kind of phasing that out. So definitely follow me over at my new page if you are on Instagram. And feel free to reach out to me if there's any topics that you would like for me to cover either myself or guests that you'd like for me to have on, or if you have a story, a women's health, pregnancy, birth, fertility, motherhood, any kind of story that you think might be interesting for the listeners, please reach out to me and let me know. You can reach out to me at holly at rosebudwellness.com and I will be in touch with you there. So thank you again so much for listening. Until next time, be well.